Turning Point, so we tell both sides of the story. I'm Jake Wrongholt. Tweet me at at Wrongholt Sports. That's R-O-N-G-H-O-L-T Sports. We got a jam-packed show for you today on the week of July 24th, 2020. Now, keep in mind that we are recording this on a Wednesday. We will be putting this up on social media and everywhere across the world on July 24th. But we will also be simulcasting the two interviews that we have going on today. We got Chris Krause, Washington Sports Insider. You can find him at M- at NBA Krause. And then we have Mark Eckel, 32 years in the business, wrote for the Trenton Times, NJ.com, and is now a contributor to the Pack-A-Day podcast. Also join me on the Turning Points podcast where we tell both sides of the story. So we are going to have both of those on YouTube on Friday. Very excited here in this uh, Turning Points universe. All right, we got a lot to get into today. We're going to do our top five Turning Points, and then we will be talking to Chris Krause, Washington Sports Insider, and then Mark Eckler. Let's get into it. You know the rule with the top five Turning Points. 15 minutes, we do the first one for five, four, three, two, one. Here are your top five Turning Points for the week of July 24th, 2020. We'll start off with the NFL Players Association continuing their successful road to health and safety against the NFL. Give a lot of credit to J.C. Treader, the president of the Players Association, when he set it up an orchestrated attack, and I say that in air quotes because it was probably the nicest attack I've ever seen a Players Association go after their employer like they did. You had the likes of Drew Brees, J.J. Watt, T.Y. Hilton, Darius Slay, David Bakhtiari, and so much more that came out and said, we want to play NFL football. However, we want our health and safety concerns solved. And it has now come to this. Rosters are going to be taken down from 90 to start off training camp to 80. And then we have zero preseason games. That was the big key there. I felt like that was what was needed. We don't need preseason. Once that Hall of Fame game was canceled, there is no reason to be watching preseason. The only reason that preseason does exist is that it's just another excuse for the owners to uh, to force fans to fork out extra regular season ticket prices to watch a game where you're going to be watching second and third stringers well into the second quarter. That's nothing that's going to help. And we're also living in a society right now where cases continue to go up. Do you realize that the U.S. is up to 4 million cases? The Players Association is just doing what every other employee is doing right now in their companies to their employers. They want health and safety protocols, and that's what they're going to get. Losing preseason games is not the end of the world, and I don't want to hear this, because if I, I swear to you, I hear one more person say, well, the place is not going to be good. Even when the there was four preseason games the last 10 years you cannot tell me that that play did not get better in the nfl until week five go back to the last two years how many times did you turn on the television and watch on fox the dan patrick show nbc sports and all hear the same the play is not good and that wasn't until week five so we had to go through four weeks where these teams were starting to get to know each other finding their chemistry And even though they had four preseason games to do this, it still didn't solve anything. And another thing, remind yourself, yes, they're millionaires. I get it. They got bigger houses than you, but they're also human beings. 
There are people that have wives and children and they have their lives. And they don't want that sacrifice because they get COVID-19. The NFL Players Association has been testing since Tuesday and they reported that there were 56 cases. 56. Now, were the numbers fudged? Yes, because there was a report that came out earlier that day that there was 95. They found it, made a mistake, and fixed it. It has been 56. 56 is still a high number. There is no surprise right now that this is happening. And there are pessimists out there that are saying we are not going to have NFL football. I've said this right from the beginning, and I will continue to say this. The NFL is not going to start on time. They are not ready. They're going to go through training camp. They're going to figure out things. They're going to go through those scrimmages. And that is what's going to tell the tale. The next four weeks right now is going to tell us if we are going to have an NFL season that starts in September. Or if it, and it's not the end of the world, we move it back to October. It's not the end of the world if the NFL starts in October. Because then you can take those four games and you can push it off to the finals of the season. You can put that there. Because guess what? Those had division matchups. And remind yourself, we still don't have fans allowed to be in these stands right now. So it's nothing but silence and it's nothing but the players on the field that are sacrificing their lives. They can't do social distancing. It's not possible. There are actually football teams out there that are telling their fans, don't come this year. The Los Angeles Rams, they are about to open up this brand new stadium, $1.3 billion worth, and they are telling their fans, wait till 2021. Well, we're not going to wait till 2021, but we will start to see this over the next few weeks. If these COVID-19 cases continue to increase, there's the off chance that the NFL will not start in September. It could be October or lately November. Let's go on to turning point number four and it's about the Washington NFL team. Forget about the nickname. The worst thing that happened to them was what happened in the Washington Post. Credit to Will Hobson and Liz Clark. They did an amazing job. If you have not read this article in the Washington Post, I highly recommend you do. They were able to get Emily Applegate who was there in 2014 with the Washington NFL team and then she left in 2015. And you're wondering to yourself, well, why is that? She is one of 15 women that have accused the Washington front office members of sexual harassment. And you think to yourself, oh, that's no big deal, Jake. Really? For 2006 to 2019, these front office members, including Alex Santos, director of pro personnel, were sending out crude text messages to women out there. They were telling them to flirt with clients to close deals. They were requesting them to wear tight dresses, spin around for me, and complimenting them on their body in front of them. Even, and there's text messages on this article that just blows your mind. And now, keep in mind, Daniel Snyder and general manager Bruce Allen were not accused of these, of these but it was actually, and this is for all you young broadcasters out there, but Larry Michael, the voice of the Redskins, the Washington NFL team, just out of the blue, decided to call retirement. He has one of the most plumbed jobs in the NFL, and suddenly he just calls retirement. Well, it turns out that he was one of the ones that was sexually harassing women. 
He was even caught up on a hot mic back in 2015 when he was complimenting a woman, a, an intern's body, and it was caught on air. And guess what happened to him? Nothing. One of the women in the article even said that there was no HR department. There was nobody to report this to. And when they did, this guy named Tony Wiley did nothing. There were 15 women that reported these people. Richard Mann II, Dennis Green, Mitch Gershman, and Alex Santos, who was the director of Pro Personnel. Now, General Manager Bruce Allen, who was fired over the offseason, he was not accused in there, but he knew. And Daniel Snyder was not accused either. But this was happening under his watch. It is amazing that I, when I was reading this article, I was shocked at this atmosphere. And it was wonders why so many women quit their job or even didn't even want to be in pro sports. There was an intern who did not give her name said that working with the Washington Redskins, and I'm saying it because she can't work a career in pro sports. And you know what it was? It was all because of that atmosphere that they created, that that front office of the Washington NFL team created around these women. It got so bad that even when a woman accused Larry Michael, a unnamed male member of the front office said this right to her face. You think they're going to listen to a woman that makes $30,000 a year as a marketing consultant over the voice of the Redskins? Close quote. How disgusting, how deplorable, and I am very happy to know that these women called out this front office and realized that this team, this franchise, has such a long way to go. Yes, there may not be a nickname there. You know what? They don't need a nickname right now. What they need to be doing is fixing the culture there. Ron Rivera being hired was a good step forward. Bringing in Julie Donaldson, who has an incredible resume in sports casting, especially in the Washington, D.C. area, as a senior VP of content and will be one of the three members of the radio team. That's a good start. But a nickname? They don't need a nickname right now. They need to remain faceless until they actually find a culture that actually matches what they are trying to come up with. Let's go out to turning point number three and then and get some good news. We have some good news and involving the NBA. Ladies and gentlemen, they have zero cases within the coronavirus. 346 players were tested over the past week. No cases, no positivity of the COVID-19 to NBA players. And what are we doing? Now eh, we're celebrating right now. We're opening up our favorite alcoholic beverage and we're saying to ourselves, the NBA has found it. They have found a way to take down the COVID-19 virus. That's not possible because they have just been practicing the last couple of weeks. And yes, they've been hanging out with certain players on other teams, but they've been wearing masks. They've been playing ping pong and video games and staying within six feet of each other. But now comes the true test. Today, they are starting inner squad scrimmages. And then next week, let the season begin eight games and 22 teams and then we'll see if we even get a playoff because there are still so many things as kirk helen of pro basketball talk said it best in his we are not out of this yet quote people are still arriving people could sneak in families will be arriving soon that's enough right there 
families are arriving soon. So even though we could say, okay, one week, no cases, great. But there is still so much more to come. And we have to understand that. I'm excited for the NBA. I'm ready. I'm ready. I already got my NBA pick. I got Raptors and Clip and Lakers. That's right. I got the defending champions against LeBron James and his Showtime crew. That's what I got. But I'm also looking, reminding myself, and this is in the back of my head, and I'm saying to myself, this is not over. So even though it's saying, okay, the bubble is working, good. But we are just getting warmed up. And we have to be patient. And there could be a possibility at a stoppage. And if there's a stoppage, how many are going to be? What is it going to take to get this season done? And what is it going to take for this season to stop? It stopped once, it can stop again. Let's go on to turning point number two. And I, and I want to get a little lighthearted here. I want to get into Major League Baseball for a moment. Now, even though we did find out that there were more people that tested positive for COVID-19, uh, we had Austin Meadows, we had Jeff Vancour, who is a uh, analyst for uh, the Atlanta Braves. He tested positive, so he's going to be in quarantine. We got baseball coming up Thursday. I can't wait for this. Thursday and Friday, opening night. Can't wait. We have two games on Thursday. The rest are going to be played on Friday. So I wanted to just do a really quick, really quick preview on this. I just want to go down this. So we'll start off with the division champions. I believe the Minnesota Twins are going to win the division. I think the Indians will give it a good fight. The White Sox will be a team on the rise. But those Bomba Twins are just too good. And they had the most home runs in Major League Baseball last year. They get, even got stronger with Josh Donaldson. The question mark is going to be that pitching. Uh, AL East, I'm going to go with the New York Yankees. If Giancarlo Stanton can play like he has been playing in spring training, I think that the Yankees could be nasty with Aaron Judge and Stanton in that lineup. And then they got Garrett Cole, James Paxton, and uh, Mashiro Tanaka. And I can't go wrong with that. I understand that the Red Sox, I don't know what I'm going to see out of them. The Rays... They could possibly be that team that could dethrone them, but I don't see it happening. Yankees win the AL East. Uh, the AL West, uh, this is a tie. I think this is going to come down to a one-game playoff, and I think it's going to be between the, the Los Angeles Angels and the Oakland Athletics. The Athletics have so much good pitching ready to go against this team, but the Angels are loaded batting-wise. But they brought in Julio Tehran. He still has a couple years left underneath him. Andrew Heaney, who really stepped up his game last year. And they got uh, Hansel Robles, who had 23 saves last year and believes that he's improved. That's what we've been hearing out of Los Angeles. I do believe it's going to either be the Athletics or the Angels coming out of the West. It's going to be a lot of fun to see. Heading out to the NL Central. Brace yourself. I'm doing something that I never thought I would say. But here we go. I'm sorry, Cubs fans sorry Cardinals fans I'm sorry Brewers fans those Cincinnati Reds are going to win the division I know what you're saying to yourself it's the Reds Jake they've never been able to do anything right for the last 10 years I get it okay but the Cubs they have not been able to rebuild that team that pitching is still kind of mediocre I like Chris Bryant I love Anthony Rizzo but I don't think they have enough Wilson Contreras still a very good player and Javier Baez but Outside of that, give me somebody that is actually going to be able to help you win a game in the eighth inning, and I don't see it pitching-wise. 
uh, Brewers. They lost a lot. Mike Moustakis is gone. That was a big loss for the Brewers. They got Christian Yelich. That pitching is still a question mark. And then the Cardinals. I just don't know what's going to happen with the Cardinals. They got a lot, but they also have a little to work with when it comes to the pitching. Outside of Jack Flaherty and Adam Wainwright, I really don't see much out of it. The Reds, though, they got Sonny Gray, Trevor Bauer, Luis Castillo. Take a look at this hitting lineup. They got Scooter Jeanette, Eugenio Suarez, Joey Votto, and Mike Moustakis all on that lineup. That is nasty. If the Reds want to truly get respect, this is the time to do it. Rise up. Make it happen. The big red machine is going to make something happen. If it doesn't, I'm afraid I will take the loss with a smile on my face. The NL East, I'm going to go with the Philadelphia Phillies. I love the Washington Nationals. I truly do. But, man, I don't know what they're going to do without Anthony Rendon's bat. I think that's a loss for them. I don't know what they're going to do with the likes without Ryan Zimmerman. Ryan Zimmerman was one of the biggest keys to winning that World Series because he was that veteran leader that they were looking for. He opted out. Now they got Strasburg, they still got Scherzer, but I don't think it's enough. The Phillies got an opportunity here. Very good manager in Joe Girardi. They got pitching ready. They brought in Zach Wheeler. They got JT Ramuto, and not to mention, they have Bryce Harper. And if you were looking, you could see that Bryce Harper still has that talent to lead a team. Philadelphia, it's time to rise up. You're going to be the team to beat in the NL East. But watch out. Watch out for a dark horse in the New York Mets underneath new manager Luis Rojas. And the NL West, this is no-brainer, the Los Angeles Dodgers. Mookie Betts is about to come close to a 10-year extension. It's going to take him all the way into... <laughs> you think I'm lying. All the way into 2027. So, boy, I, I don't know what to say about that right now to Red Sox fans, but they're, they're ready to go. This lineup, top to bottom, it's one of the best in baseball. And with Mookie Betts being that leadoff hitter, that's going to be great for Dave Roberts' squad. I do believe this is going to happen. I really don't see it as a surprise. We're going to go with the New York Yankees versus the Los Angeles Dodgers, something that we have not seen in over 30 years. The last time these two teams met, 1981. Well, guess what? The year is 2020, and I feel like 39 years is just the right time for a Yankees-Dodgers World Series. We'll find out if the COVID-19 will let them, though. And finally, turning point number one, the Green Bay Packers are in a tough situation right now. Packers CEO Mark Murphy believes that they can get 10 to 12,000 fans to come to a Packers home game. According to the New York Post, the profit that they made last year, even though it says... They made over $500 million. The total profit that they made off that after expenses, $724,000. The year before that, they made $38.9 million. Now the question is, are the Packers going to be able to make this happen? I don't see it happening. According to Andy Herman of Packer Report, season ticket holders have already said no. They're not going to do this. They're going to opt out. And Packers have no choice but to say, okay, fine. They will have until July 31st, and their 2020 payment will either be refunded or credited to their 2021 balance. The refunds on the 2020 payments will be processed within 30 days of July 31st. This is a good move, and I just don't believe that Packer fans are going to be able to come in, regardless if it's 10,000, 5,000, or just one fan. I just don't see it happening. All that matters right now is, is that at least teams like the Packers are understanding that a season still remains in jeopardy.
All right, that'll do it for our top five turning points. And if you got any comments or concerns, or you just want to come at me with your own baseball predictions, you can go to at Bronghold Sports. That's R-O-N-G-H-O-L-T Sports. Or you can find me on Facebook.com slash both sides of the story. Or you can find me on my website, which is fsbizsite.com slash jbrongholtz. All right, let's take time out when we return. We will uh, talk to Chris Krause, our Washington Sports Insider, to talk more about what has happened at the Washington NFL team and all across the rest of the D.C. area. Plus, Mark Eckel, a Pack-A-Day podcast, will be joining us. We are just getting warmed up here on the Turning Points podcast, where we tell both sides of the story. I'm Jay Gronholt, and you're listening to it right here on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. Well, a training camp starting up for the rookies tomorrow. Unfortunately, the NFL players have something different in their mind. Zachary Jacobson of Packer Report is reporting that the Packers rookies will not be ready for training camp uh, as the rookies are about to start tomorrow. So that has now been postponed going forward. And it just kind of feels like we're starting to see those dominoes fall. They've already been put put in place, and now somebody's just ready to start tapping as the dominoes start to fall. So I thought I would bring on my good friend, and we used to work together. We used to do Pack-A-Day for their first year. He's 32 years in the business. He wrote for the Trenton Times and NJ.com. He was the Eagles beat writer and also Packers. And Mark Eckel joins me on the line. Mark, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, so what does this mean now for the Packers' future for the 2020 season? Well, uh, it's not just the Packers. It's I'm not I mean... This doesn't look good. I mean, it's one thing after another. Um, you know, preseason was cut in half, which I have no problem with. I've been saying for, you know, 25 years, four preseason games are, are too many. But uh, the players want no preseason games. Um, now they're, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm usually behind the NFL on, on their decisions. I think more times than not, they do get it right. But they had a long time to get this one right. And I mean, they were lucky. All this hit during their off season. They're, you know, they didn't. It wasn't like the NBA and the NHL where they hit them right in the middle of their season. It wasn't like baseball where it hit them during spring training, or, or college basketball where it ruined it, where it, you know it, it canceled their uh, tournaments. Football had time. They had time to look and see what was going on, how to handle this. I guess they thought they had a plan, but they didn't run it by the players, and the players were like. No, we're not doing this. We're, you know, we want to play, but not under these circumstances. So here we are, a week before camps were supposed to start. I don't think camps are going to start on time. I'm not sure there's going to be a 20. I, you know, I hope I'm so wrong about this, but I don't. I'm not 100 percent sure that there's going to be a 2020 season. Mark, why do you think that there will not be a 2020 season? Because player, because they they didn't. This listen, this virus is bad. All right, let's let's just, let's just put it out there. Whether. I don't want to get too into it, but, you know, a lot of the areas where we have teams are the areas that are higher. We don't have a team in South Dakota, all right? There's no NFL team in South Dakota because they're they're one of the lowest states. But we, there's a bunch in Florida. There's a few in California. Well, they're your hotspot. You know, I don't know. I mean, like I said, I hope I'm wrong. I hope it all goes away tomorrow and everything's fine. But it just doesn't look that way. And with the players now saying, no, we're not coming until you straighten this out. You can't play without players. 
Former Packers center J.C. Treader is now the president of the Players Association. What are your thoughts on him and the players orchestrating that Twitter attack on the NFL on Sunday? Again, like I said, I'm usually – I want everything to work out, okay? I, I, I want to watch football every Sunday. I want to write about it for Packer Report. I want to – you know, I, I enjoy the NFL. I really do. And I work for – I write for the NFL too. So I don't want anything bad to happen. But I, I think the players – and most of them were very – it, it wasn't – you used the word uh, attack. It was a friendly attack, though. It, it wasn't vicious. It wasn't nasty like some of the NBA was or uh, even some baseball. It was, listen, we want to play. We we that, that was the hashtag, right? We yes. want to play. Hashtag we, we want, want to play. But we want to do it, but we're not going to put our, ourselves or our families at risk. And I can't blame any player for not wanting to be at risk. I mean, you know, as much, as, as much money as they make and as much – good things that that they get from being in the nfl it's not worth it's not risk the risk of your health is more important so again i don't know all the and no one i don't think has written is what the what the what the protocols are or or what the but i know just in my head i'm thinking to myself you got 90 guys on a roster right now how are you going to say how are you going to put 90 guys in a camp this is too many guys like is this too many it really is, but that's that's the NFL. That's the, the roster size is right now. So, like, you know, basketball has what twelve player, fifteen players on the team. Baseball has twenty-five to thirty. It's a lot easier, and they're having problems. So, I don't. I mean, there's a way of doing this. I guess I'm not smart enough to figure it out, but hopefully, the NFL office and JC Treader and the NFL PA can come up with something. But they had a long time to come up with something. Why did it take till now when, like you said, the rookies are – it's not just the Packers. Rookies are supposed to re- re- report tomorrow. A lot of teams aren't going to – they're not going to – they're not – there's not going to be a camp tomorrow or, all, you know, or, or next week when they're all supposed to be there unless something happens over the next couple of days, and hopefully it will. I don't want to be the doom and gloom guy. I'm, I want to be the optimist that, yes, Treader and Roger Goodell and, and his people can, can get something done. But, again, it should have been done. He's Mark Echo, 32 years in the business, wrote for the Trenton Times and NJ.com. Also, is a contributor to the Pack-A-Day podcast. Joining me here on the Turning Points podcast, I'm Jake Rongholt. You can tweet me at at Rongholt Sports. Uh, Mark, there were, there were certain players like David Bakhtiari, Darius Slay, uh, Drew Brees that came out about this. And I understand what you said. I, I know I said the word attack, but that was probably the nicest attack I've seen you know, going after a league out of this whole entire pandemic. I mean, we had Major League Baseball going crazy, NBA going crazy, and then the NFL is just like, you know, we just want to play, but we need health and safety concerns. We have health and safety concerns. I mean, Russell Wilson, you know, his wife is pregnant. You got uh, Austin Corbett for the Rams. His wife is about to go into labor. So, I mean, what do you believe is the best way to opt out if an NFL player decides to? Do it as sooner, the, the sooner the better, um, just because of you. You know, listen. I have no problem if, if any player, just like some baseball players opted out, right? A couple of basketball players opted out. Um, I have no problem with that. If, if they fully believe that their safety is at risk and, and they don't want to, you know, again, I have my own feelings toward what's going on. Um, you know, I choose to do certain things that others might not, and then I might choose to do some some things the other way that others might not. Um, but if a player is going to opt out, do it soon. Don't hold your team up because it is still about a team. You're part of a team, whether it's the Green Bay Packers or the 
Los Angeles Rams, Dallas Cowboys, whoever you're, whatever team you're on, you owe them letting them know, if, especially, if, especially if you're a key player, if, if, if you're a starting, I'm not going to go quarterback, but if you're a starting mm-hmm. linebacker, they have to be prepared to know, okay, well, the guy we, who we thought was our left outside linebacker is opting out. So we better get, we have another guy starting now and we have to get another backup and move things around a little bit. So just be, you know, be courteous enough to give your employer, just like any job. I would, I mean, I would say that about any job, but especially, you know, something as high stakes as the NFL, if you're going to opt out, fine. I am not going to rip any player that opts out, but, but just do it in a timely manner. What date do you think would be the best way for the NFL to have an opt out? I mean, we're, we're going into August here. We're, we're just a few days away August from 1st. August starting. I would say August 1st. Give August me 1st. Okay. Me, that, that's, yeah, that's enough time. I mean, yeah, don't don't wait till the last minute. I don't. I mean, that's not right to anybody. I mean, I think a player knows deep down if he's going to opt out or not, right? I mean, I would say. I mean, I, again, I'm not in that situation. I'm. I don't. I don't have to opt out of anything. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna, and I'm glad I don't. But yeah, give them. You know, it's two weeks from about two weeks, right, or so. About well, two that, weeks, yes. 25. Yeah, I think that, that that's good enough. The Packers have said, uh, "See you later" to family night, being welcome to fans. What is what kind of differences are you, do you think we'll see out of that family night? Well, it's not going to be a family night, right? It's just going to be players. It's going to be a scrimmage. But yeah. no <laughs> I mean, it, it, this whole thing is going to be weird. I mean, I mean, let's be honest. The whole world's been different since mm-hmm. this, this since this has happened, right? Well, sports are no different. I mean, I'm watching I'm watching NASCAR with, and they finally brought some fans back. You know, your baseball's going to be played without fans in the stands. That's, I'm looking forward to watching it. But it's going to be weird. Is this going to be a weird scenario to have, you know, sports going on without anybody there? Now, I've heard some players actually say, you know what? This could be a good thing. Like, especially if you're on the road, right? I mean, <laughs> the snap, you don't have to worry about snap counts anymore. You know, silent snap, you know, counts because it's not going to be noisy. It's not going to be loud and rowdy at certain stadiums. And that's going to hurt a team like Green Bay a little bit, who has a great home field advantage. The Chargers, not so much. It's not going to, I mean, they didn't have anybody in the stands anyway, except visiting fans, so it doesn't really hurt. It probably helps them a little bit, but so, yeah, it's going to be a weird, everything's going to be different. I mean, you know, training, even training camp without people there is going to be an odd thing. You know, I mean, the Packers have long-standing tri- tradition of the kids with the bikes and the player, you know, mm-hmm. the Packer player bars a bike, rides it. That's a great thing, you know? And that's not going to happen this year. I mean, this whole year is just a is just a different year. And saying prayers, keeping fingers crossed, whatever you do, that you know this is it. And then you know, twenty twenty one, we get back to normal again. Richard Sherman was able uh, was able to talk to Peter King over the weekend, and Richard Sherman did bring up a good point that if in order for them to come and play, he said that they need to do daily testing. We're already having problems getting tested, even outside of the sports world right now. How would this work for the NFL? You got to make a great point. I don't know. I mean, can they do that? I mean, that, that's going to raise a lot of issues. If if they test, what, how many, 50, 90 players on 32 teams a day, every day, and even even, even after cuts, rosters. even if they're down to 50. Mm-hmm. So that's still a lot of tests a day, and you can't test the average guy. That's going to put some flags up that I don't know if people want to. I mean, you could do them. I know here, I'm, I, I live in South Carolina. We have... I did get tested, matter of fact, and then, thank God I was, I was negative. I, te- I got the test because I didn't have any symptoms, but some friends of mine who also didn't have main bad symptoms 
tested positive. So I said, I better get myself checked out. Mm-hmm. It only it only takes two minutes. If that, I didn't get out of my car. So it, it can be done in a timely fashion. I just, if the NFL can, I, mean, I don't know if it's a cost thing. If it's a cost thing, the NFL has more money than anybody. So they, that shouldn't be a factor. But if, if it's a matter of just taking a temperature, that's, that's, that's fine. But I think, I mean, if, if they want the whole test, because the test results is what, I mean, you don't get the results instantly. It take, like even when I got mine, I got mine quick. I got tested on a Thursday, Thursday morning. I got the results back Saturday evening. That was still too, that was just quick. Man. That's quick by, by some standards. So, I mean, you know, I think they, I think everywhere, I think baseball, football, I think working in a store, keep, you know, if schools reopen, you, they, people should at least have their temperatures taken before they walk through the doors. I, I do believe that that takes, that literally does take a couple seconds and you get the result right there. If, if, so if a player has 101 fever, no, you, he doesn't practice, he stays home that day, you know. I think you can at least do, do that. You know, yeah, well, so uh, g- give me a cutoff date to the 2020 season. What date do you believe the NFL will say, okay, we're just canceling all games, Super Bowl, championship <laughs> games, all that. What is going to be that cutoff date? What would be the appropriate time? Wow, that's a good question. Um, Took me a moment. <laughs> well, you need at least – you need a month, a, a minimum of a month of camp, right? Maybe, you know, let's say three weeks of camp. To cancel, I mean, the, that's, that's to cancel everything, it's got to be bad. Because I could see them, I mean, I could see a shortened season, um, like baseball's doing, maybe, if it gets that. And again, I'm hoping, not, I'm hoping everything works out and they play the 16 games and they do everything like, they're, you know. And let's be honest, the, the NFL hasn't missed a beat in terms of, now again, like I said, they were lucky. Everything happened during their offseason. They they were able to do the draft virtually, and they were able to sign free agents. And they, they so they haven't missed any of their offseason protocols whatsoever, you know. But that's different than actually playing a game, because I said, like I said, they're going to have to have three weeks of camp, and then you got to play the games September something maybe, because you could you could push things back obviously if if you have to, I guess. Yes, you could. Get rid of the bye week, shorten. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I remember the old, uh, I, was, I, I wasn't covered yet, but was it 82 when they had a strike season? They only yes, played nine they games did. Eight, was it eight or nine games that year? Mm-hmm. Eight? Was it nine? I forget what it was. But I, it I, was they, nine. They yeah, it was nine games. Nine games. Packers mm-hmm. made the playoffs then. <laughs> they did. But now the they that? say that. Well, so what? I don't know, I'm old. Packers didn't always make the playoffs back then. So that was like, whoa, they're in a, that's a short season every year. <laughs> they won a playoff game to beat the Cardinals. Yeah, no doubt. Was it uh, Forrest Gregg the coach at that point, or was that still? No, still Bart Starr. It was still Starr. It was still Bart Starr. Okay, all right. It was his next to last year. Yeah, you did say you're older, so yeah, it's I got Bart Starr right, <laughs> right behind me here. Right, right behind you. <laughs> He's Mark Echo, 32 years in the business from the Trenton Times and NJ.com, joining us here on the Turning Points podcast where we tell both sides of the story. Let's go to the other side. If there is a season, how do you feel about the Packers repeating in the NL, uh, NFC North, excuse me? I think a very good chance. Um, I thought they, I, again, a lot of people look at this Packer offseason and say they didn't, they didn't really do a lot. They didn't spend the money that they spent last year, obviously, because they didn't have the money they spent mm-hmm. like they had last year. Uh, the draft was more of a for the future draft in a lot of ways. 
Um, but they still have, I mean, it's a good nucleus of players. They didn't lose much either. I mean, the only player I think they lost that I, to me mattered was Brian B- Balaga. But I understand. I mean, I kind of wanted him back because I, I think that line, um, the continuity on the offensive line, I think is important. And, he, and, and, and he had a, he's coming off a very good season. Now, I understand, you know, he's 30. He's had injuries. He, you know, he did get a pretty good deal from the Chargers. Um, he's the only one that, I'm, that I think they're going to miss. Um, but for the Packers to be as good as they were last year, it's going to be on the on the year, on the class of 2018 and the class of 2019. Those second and third year guys taking that necessary step. Guys like Jay Sternberger, who I know you and I both both like. Oh man, he, lost count on that one. <laughs> he, he coming, you know, the the tight end. And he was hurt all last year, so his, his rookie year was a waste. But he's got to step up and be a, you know, I'm not saying he has to be a Pro Bowl tight end because I'm not expecting that in his first first full year, but but be a good target, you know, catch, you know, catch the ball when it's thrown to him, you know, um, pick up some key plays. Uh, and I, and I expect him to do that. Um, guys like, um, St. Brown, the, the, the wide receiver from, from, from Notre Dame. Unanimous. He, yeah. You know, he has to, he missed all of last year with a, with an ankle injury. He has to come back and, and be a factor on the offense. Um, a guy that, that, that they did sign who I, it was kind of an under the radar thing, but, Devin Funches could be could be pretty good in this offense. Um, again, I'm, I'm not saying superstar. They have a superstar in Devontae Adams at wide receiver. Funches could be a very good complement to Adams, especially in the red zone where the Packers have had some struggles. He's a big target. You know, he can last year he was hurt again, but he had, you know, in Carolina he had some pretty good numbers. You know, he he could, you know, I, I could see him catching, you know, fifty something balls, eight hundred something yards. Six touchdowns, which is as a number two, that that's not a bad year at all. That is all so, that is needed. I mean, that's your job as a Z receiver is that if you're going to be the number two guy, you're not expected to get the high numbers. But he is coming off that last season with Carolina. He had eight touchdowns. Unfortunately, sure. he had a torn pectoral muscle uh, when he was signed by the Colts, and that's how the Packers got him for you know the price that they got. I believe it was like two million dollars. I thought that was actually a pretty good discount. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah, outside the wide receivers, though, how do you feel about the running game now that they have A.J. Dillon from Boston College? Well, the running game's going to be – they have a three-headed monster back there. Yeah. I don't – I mean, I'm kind of thinking around the league. If, is there any other team that has the depth that running back that the Packers have? I don't think so. Aaron, I mean, Aaron hmm. Jones established himself last year as one of the top – Oh, Broncos. Oh, yeah. Excuse me? Broncos. 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 Philip Lindsay and uh, Melvin Gordon. That's the only one I could think of. They only have two. Packers have three. <laughs> I mean, no, seriously, Jamal Williams is a is an underrated player. Um, again, not a star. I mean, there's a lot of things. He runs hard. He catches the ball well, and he's a good blocker. So, I mean, he, he's a good. I, I think he's going to be a very. He might be the best third down back in the league if, if that's his his, his role. Um, AJ Dillon, not the guy I I was looking at them to take in the second round, but but they liked him. They took him. Him and Jones. I mean, that's a good. That's a good complimenting. I mean, that's that, that, like I said, that's three good running backs, and then you throw in a guy like Ty Irvin, who's their uh-huh. re- return guy to save the return game for him last yeah. year. But he, he could be a good little gadget awesome. guy for him. You know? yeah. Bring him in on a let him do a jet sweep or you know a little any any kind of thing. I mean, that, they're deep at running. That that the running back right the running backs on the Green Bay Packers right now probably is 
deep and talented as it's been in a lot of years. And then don't throw out the third pick. who They call him a tight end, DeGraria. He's not really a tight end. He's oh, more yeah, of Josiah fullback. from Cincinnati. Yeah, I mean, he, he's going you know, to do a lot of things, too. Mm-hmm. Probably more in the passing game, but he, he can block. Um, now, the Pack, Packers offense as a, is going to be different. It's going to be they're going to run a ball a little bit more. Um, but there's weapons. I mean, if, if Sternberger can, can be the tight end that they hoped when they took him in the third round, Put him with Adams and Funches and Lazard and the, and Jones and Williams out of the backfield. Aaron Rodgers is going to have have a lot of choices. What is the difference between last year's offense and this offense? I think they'll run. I think you'll see more of a balance. I mean, they were pretty balanced. I mean, they were more balanced under Lafleur in his first year than they were under Mike McCarthy for a long time. Uh, but I think you'll see even more of a more of a balance in the run. I think. It won't be 50-50 because that, hardly anybody's 50-50 anymore. But it might be more of a 55-45 pass run. I mean, when Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback, you still want to throw the ball more than you run it. I mean, that's, that's why, you know, that's why you have Aaron Rodgers. If Mitch, if Mitch Trubisky's your quarterback, you want to run the ball 99% of the time probably. But, you know, uh, so I think you'll see – more running, more running out of the out of the, the offense. But I was, and with that, I think you'll see more play play action pass, which Rogers could be very dangerous in play action. So if the defense is thinking, you know, if they get running a little play action, bang, then Adams is, you know, Adams is free open over the middle, and you know, you're looking at some uh, the opportunity for a lot of big big plays out of this offense. What do you think of how the Packers have handled the Jordan Love signing? Gave him twelve million dollars guaranteed. That's the highest paid ever to a, a player that was picked twenty fifth or or higher in uh, the NFL in NFL draft history. Yeah, I mean, again, I don't get into that too much, but um, I mean, it's guaranteed. Did you do you think they were going to cut him? I mean, <laughs> but it's, it's it's only it's what four no. years, right? It, it, it's yeah, years? it's four years. Four years, twelve point six million guaranteed. Well, I mean, he's not even going to play this year. Hopefully, mm-hmm. that means Rogers will get hurt. I doubt he plays next year. So, it's really only the last. You know, I, I the, the guarantee to me was fine because he, who knows, he might not even play those four years. I mean, we don't. <laughs> that's the unanswered question: is how how many more years is Aaron Rodgers going to be the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers? Because if, if if this is a if this is a copy of Favre Rogers, Rogers waited what four years, three years, three years, and he played his fourth year. Yes, right. Yes. Everyone? So so if that if the same thing happens, Love's not playing until that fourth year. So you weren't going to cut him anyway. I mean, I, I, listen, I, I'm a Jordan Love fan, by the way. Yeah, I am too. I, I, I liked him. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I, before I knew the Packers were going to take him, I didn't know who was going to take him. But I, I told everybody prior to this draft, I thought he was the second best quarterback in the draft. I really did. I thought you know the guy that went number one is the best. But I thought I liked I liked Love better than both uh, Herbert from Oregon and well Tua. You know I, I love Tua, but he, you know the guy gets hurt too much. It's coin flip. Yeah. yeah. I have the red flag on him. I mean, you know, I mean. If, you, if, if you're not healthy, I don't care how good you you were when you are healthy, you have to be healthy. 
So, so Tua kind of scared me a little bit with the health. Michael, I, I, I think I think Love's better than than Herbert, who went what number six overall. Yeah, Herbert went six overall. Uh, I like what, what were you thinking when the Packers drafted Jordan Love on draft night? I got to admit, I was I you know I kind of be honest. I wasn't totally shocked. <laughs> I wasn't totally like, oh my god, I can't believe they they did that. But I was like, wow, they actually did it. <laughs> like because. <laughs> There were quotes. I mean, the general manager kind of was asked, and he was honest. He said, "Listen, you know, we could take a quarterback. You know, if, if the if the right guy's there when we pick, we're gonna." Like he didn't say, "Oh no, we're not taking a quarterback." He, you know, he was he was honest, and there was you know a lot of talk about them, you know, interviewing Love and talk bringing Love in and talking to Love, and, and like I said, I really like him. So it was a it was a gutsy decision um i'll say this now the only guy that i liked that was still available when they took him at, and they moved up to 26 was the tackle from from georgia brown who went 29 to tennessee so he would have been there he wouldn't have been there if they stayed at 30 but like like of the like there wasn't a receiver that was still there that i would have taken why and is I wonder, that? And I often wonder that. I wonder. Well, okay, if, okay, Mark. We heard this right. from the national media all week that they were saying, "Why didn't the Packers take a wide receiver?" What didn't impress you about this wide receiver crop that was coming out? Oh no, I was very impressed by. It. Oh, okay, okay. I liked. I love C.D. Lamb. I like Gary Cudi. Um, I like Jalen Rieger. I like. I like uh, Jefferson. Um, who, who am I forget? Aya from Arizona State. Denzel didn't Mims. Mind him at all. I liked all those guys. Mm-hmm. They were all gone. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not going to reach and take, you know, a guy, a second and third round guy at 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 that spot in the draft. So, you know, obviously they liked Jordan Love a lot. Obviously, the front office, the, the scouts, the you know, everybody obviously, obviously loved him, or they wouldn't have pardon the pun, um, or they wouldn't have taken him. So there's that, and like I said, I don't. And then in the second round, again, I, I went into the second round thinking, okay, now they'll get a wide receiver. Because there were still a few good ones left. But they all went. The kid from Notre Dame, I didn't mind either. I can't think of his name right Claypool. now. Claypool. I liked him a little bit. He went. So, again, when it came to the second pick, again, I wanted it. The, the only, my only issue with the Packers this offseason, and my, and my biggest concern for the 2020 Packers, if you want to hold me to one position that I'm most worried about, it's right tackle. Because, like I said, they, they let Belaga go, and they brought in Ricky Wagner, and may, I hope you know maybe maybe he'll pleasantly su- surprise me. But I think I don't think Ricky Wagner is anything special. Uh, I could be wrong, and maybe I am. I hope I am, and he turns out to be a good player. But I think he's just a a guy. I mean, I think he's just a marginal, you know, good backup if you have him. But I don't know about him starting every week. Um, yeah, so I want. I'm, I was more. I was more surprised and more concerned that they didn't draft a right tackle than that they didn't draft a wide receiver. Yeah, that's probably why they uh, picked up uh, Rick Wagner from the Detroit Lions. Yeah, I think they so, did. But yeah. like, like I said, I'm not a big fan of Rick Wagner. I think he's just a guy. Yeah. Well, well, we will we'll see, see what happens with that. Final question, Mark. Packers went 13 and three last year, NFC Championship. How far do the Packers get this year? Should I put my Packer fan hat on? Go or ahead. I, I want to hear it. My fan hat says they're going. My fan hat says they're going to go to the Super Bowl <laughs> and, and play the Baltimore Ravens. 
Ooh. Uh, Rodgers versus Jackson. I like it. Yeah, that, that, that's what my fan hat says. Realistically, <laughs> um, I think they win the North. Okay. Um, and then when once the playoffs starts, it's a matter of what team's the healthiest, what team's the hottest, who has home field. Um, I mean, the, the, the teams in the NFC that worry me, obviously San Francisco, because the Packers showed last year that they really don't match up very yeah. well with that team. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to get him in Green Bay if possible, though. I think that would make a little bit of a difference, especially if the weather's. Although the way they ran the ball last year, and if cold weather might have helped the Niners, who knows? Um, but realistically, I think that's the only team that I still think is better than the Packers. I don't think anybody else moved ahead of them. Cowboys are going to be better because I think I think Mike McCarthy's a better head coach than Jason Garrett, so I think they've improved themselves with that. But they have some internal stuff going on. You know, Dak, they didn't get a deal done with him. He's on the franchise tender. Yeah. Um, Seattle, ever since that awful loss, the Packers have seemed to handle Seattle pretty well now. Yeah, I don't I don't see – I mean, the Saints I, – I think I think the Saints, it's time for them to take I, – I think they had their chances. So I, I'm, yeah, I'm not, I think they'll chance. be good. I think they're a good team, don't get me wrong, but I don't – I think it's – I think the Packers, are, they're a legitimate – chance to get back to the NFC Championship game and, and maybe get to the Super Bowl. I think, like I said, San Fran's the only team that's, that's in the way, I think. He's Mark Eckel, 32 years with the Trenton Times and NJ.com. He is also a contributor for the Pack-A-Day podcast. You can tweet him at, at MarkEckel08. Mark, it was it was great to catch up with you once again, and uh, thank you so much for joining us here on the Turning Points Me podcast. Too. All right, man. Take care. All right. Oh, man, I, I miss working with Mark. He was <laughs> such a superb character. But uh, So, like I said, you can find him on the Pack-A-Day podcast. He does one every sa- every other Saturday with Jason Perrone. I've heard it. Uh, it's really good. And if you haven't seen it, uh, take a look at it. Find it. It's on iTunes. That's Pack-A-Day podcast, your source for the Green Bay Packers uh, when it comes to it. So I was there for a year, really loved what I did. But, you know, things just had to change, had to move on, and – I'm happier the way it is. So, All right, we'll take time out here on the Turning Points Podcast. When we return, we're going to wrap things up. We're going to have one more guest, Chris Krause, Washington Insider, is going to join us to talk about what happened with the Redskins and the Washington Wizards starting up their abbreviated season. Oh, this could be a lot of fun. It's all coming up next here on the Turning Points Podcast. I'm Jake Ronholt, and you're listening to it right here on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. It is crazy to me just how much has been happening in Washington, D.C. with the Redskins, and then you got the Washington Mystics, the Nationals are about to start baseball, and then the Washington Wizards are in an NBA bubble. We're back here on the Turning Points Podcast where we tell both sides of the story. I'm Jake Rongholt. Tweet me at, at Rongholt Sports, and there is nobody I can think of. I mean, th- this is the D.C. insider. He's done work for pro football action, Slam Online. We've been friends for a couple of years, ever since we met at, at a Magic game. And uh, I just couldn't think of anybody better than Chris Krause. You can tweet him at, at NBA Krause, and he now joins us live on the line to talk about what's happening in DC sports. Chris, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, when you heard about this bombshell that happened with the Redskins, what was your reaction? First of all, thanks for having me, Jake. And yeah, the the bombshell. Oh man, it was the way the media leaked it, uh, or the way the media kind of like gave you hints at what was going on. Uh, I wasn't I wasn't a big fan of how how that happened, 
but once it came out, it's it, it's pretty bad. And this is my first year covering uh, the Washington football team. So, you know, I kind of had no idea what to expect. And then I started talking to people, and they said, well, it's kind of been an open secret about how how things have gone down in that organization, kind of the frat mentality within the organization. And uh, once everything came out in that Washington Post article, it was it was it was horrible. Why did you have an issue with, with some media members that were kind of sharing cryptic tweets before this whole bombshell happened? I think it really took away from what the news was. Um, in a way, I think the the media strategy, whether it was strategy or they're trying to get their ducks in line behind the scenes, uh, took away from the story a little bit. Everyone's waiting for this build up and build up and what's going to happen. And, you know, Reddit went crazy with all kinds of different uh, scandals and and. and, and and circumstances that they thought was going on. And then you have, you have, you have other media speculating and uh, it really should just get down to what the news was. Um, but I understand they have to do their due diligence, especially in a story like this. You don't want to make false allegations. You want to make sure that you do the proper uh, re- reporting. And uh, the Washington Post did that, but uh, the, the leaks ahead of time about the story, um, I, I don't know. I, it just didn't seem right. Prior to the Washington Post report, what was the craziest rumor you saw? I saw everything from <laughs> from gambling that Jay Gruden was a was a was a wild gambler <laughs> to to sex rings to to drugs to everything and in you know all that stuff is very bad. Obviously, um, most of that stuff not true, but you know the the sexual harassment claims uh, are there, and uh, the Washington Post vetted those. Um, you know, that, that, that those claims very, very carefully. And uh, it, it led to the story that came out last uh, Thursday. The most that we've heard out of Daniel Snyder was a couple of statements. Now Ron Rivera looks like the voice of reason. Why are we listening more to a coach who's only been there for less than six months over the owner of this whole mess? I think it has to do with not having a team president, not having those that, that guy that is going to take control of the organization. Now, Rivera is really stepping up in a place where there is no one there, right? Similar to what kind of Brett Brown did a few years ago after Jerry Colangelo and his and his Tweetgate scandal. Obviously, that scandal is nowhere near as serious as this one, um, even though you shouldn't, you, you, you still shouldn't uh, disclose medical records like Jerry did. Uh, oh, sorry, Brian, rather, I'm sorry, it's Brian Colangelo. But uh, but but yeah, I, I really think that if you don't have a team president, you don't have the front office there. Yeah, it, someone has to step up, and Ron Rivera is doing a great job there. He's Chris Kraus, a DC insider, joining us here on the Turning Points podcast, where we tell both sides of the story. He covers everything from the Washington NFL team, the Wizards, the Mystics, you name it. He's been doing it, and you can also find him on NBAHeavy.com. Why is it taking so long for the Washington football team to come up with a nickname? What's the holdup? Well, to rebrand, especially at an uh, organization that large, it's going to take a while. Now, that's no excuse. James Snyder should have done this a while ago, so really he doesn't get the benefit of, oh, it takes a little bit, so we have to wait. Um, but there's trademark issues. Uh, apparently one person in D.C. or around D.C. has – has went and got the trademarks for all of the possible names, <laughs> or at least the ones that were speculated to be uh, in oh contention. My. And so there's rumors that that is an issue. And, you know, they're going to have to figure out a way to get the name that they want. They're going to have to do branding. They're going to have to do everything you do in a marketing uh, capacity. And they just hired Terry Bateman 
who was previously with the organization, uh, has, has a couple stints around the entertainment world, came back over 40 years of experience, and that just happened this week. So he's going to lead the charge for the name change, but he just got there. So it, it could be a little bit before we before we actually see a new logo. Now, the colors will be burgundy and gold, okay. but we, we still don't know what the logo is. We don't know what the name is, and Madden is not going to have a logo. Like 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 other other everything that need every every other entities that need the logo, <laughs> oh they're goodness. going forward to Washington football team and generic logos. So so that that just tells you what how how far we might have to wait for this. Yeah, it sounds like this franchise is starting at rock bottom, and they're going to have to uh, build their way up going forward. Uh, let's talk about something that actually is building correctly right now, and that is the NBA bubble. Uh, zero cases in the past week of the coronavirus. Uh, how have they been able to? shut down this virus so soon? You know, really the precautions that they're taking. Now, in the beginning, it was bad because, or at least it sounded bad because, oh, you have so mm-hmm. many players, you know, over 30 players uh, contracting the virus and, and having positive tests before they got there. But they had precautions. They had they had steps in place. So if you're going to get the, if you're going to, if you get the virus before you come down to Orlando, you're going to stay an extra two weeks, you're going to quarantine and then, and then join your team. Uh, over the last week or so, they had zero cases. Uh, they had a couple of people leave the bubble, <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, for different reasons. Uh, Rashard Holmes, former Sixer Kings, left it for food. Um, Zion Williamson left it for a family matter. And uh, both those players will have to go through the protocols. But it's really having a good structure in place and a good system in place and planning ahead. What does the absence of Zion Williamson do for the Pelicans' chances at making the playoffs? Really depends on when he'll be back, right? And what the what the procedure is exactly for him to come back. Now, if a player goes off the bubble without permission, it's ten to fourteen days minimum, and 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 uh, testing every day as that goes along. Uh, for a player who has a a a you know pre-approval to go off like Zion, uh, it might not be as much because he he could do part of his quarantine, you know where where he is where where his home is wherever this family medical emergency is. And so it might be a little different. It might have already started. We just haven't heard from it. And uh, it, it really depends on how many games he misses because they're going to need to, you know, they're going they're going to need to to overcome the Blazers. They're going to need to overcome the Grizzlies. And uh, and but the NBA wants them to. So we'll we'll see we'll see how uh, how that goes. He's Chris Krause, Washington Sports Insider, joining us here on the Turning Points Podcast, where we tell both sides of the story. I'm Jake Rongholt. Let's talk about the Washington Wizards here for a moment. What are the chances of them trying to steal the eighth seed away from the Orlando Magic? It's going to be rough. Uh, <laughs> you know, Bradley's not there. Bradley Beal's not playing. Obviously, John Wall hasn't played all season. He's not He's not making the trip. Davis Bertans, uh, arguably their second-best player right now, uh, is with his family in Latvia. Uh, so it's going to be a skeleton crew and a lot of young guys in, 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 for, for this team. And, you know, Vegas looks at them and says, okay, out of the eight games, they're projected to win 1.5 games. That's their line. Uh, it's the lowest in the NBA. And it's really because there are no bottom feeders here, mm-hmm. right? You don't, We don't get to play the Knicks. We don't get to play some other teams that are, you know, Say the name you easier. want to. Say it. <laughs> We don't get to play the Chicago Bulls. Although the Bulls played the Wizards pretty tough this year. There it was. Oh, we made it a whole five minutes. Oh, my goodness. You and 
always getting after me with those bulls. I sat there and like, he's going to do it. He's going to lure me into it. Oh, I just caught the bait. Duck on it. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, Wait, very look. shocked that the bulls, bulls weren't invited, but I see they had to make a cutoff at some point, you know, because, you know, Chicago, big market, you would think that, yes. you know, it, it would be in the interest, but, you know, they, they had oh. to make the cutoff. It's, you can almost argue that the Wizards probably shouldn't be there. That, that is my question. Why is the NBA doing 22 teams instead of the 16 they should be doing? They had to manufacture some sort of system so Zion Williamson would be there. <laughs> they, wanted, they wanted the Pelicans in so bad. They need Zion <laughs> in so bad that they, they were like, okay, where, where are the Pelicans in the standings? Oh, they're this far back? Okay, boom, that's the line. And, you know, they put it back a little bit further than that because now they got the Suns and the Kings behind them in a good chance. And, uh, you know, with this playing game, which is really, really something that's, that I believe is orchestrated because of Damian Lillard saying he, he's not going to come if there's no reason for them to play. And, you know, with, with, with them being, you know, nearly four games back, like it's, it's unlikely that they get uh, actually the AC, but they could get the playing game. And the Wizards have a chance on the, in, in the Eastern side. Uh, it's just, it's just, it's just going to be more entertaining on the West. I'll say that. Who are the favorites to be in the finals? I think you have to look back at the regular season, look back at what LeBron did and what he's done with Anthony Davis, despite all of the people that are not playing, despite Rondo being hurt, Avery Bradley being out. I think the Lakers are the clear favorites. I mean, even though they have a much tougher path, I don't, I, I, I don't see how the Lakers don't, don't win this. Yeah, I, I got Raptors, Lakers. I, I think that the Raptors are going to find a way Ooh. to sneak in, get in that get in that Eastern Conference spot, and then battle LeBron James. I mean, why not? The defending champions versus LeBron James and his uh, Showtime squad, yeah, I, I would like to see that. So, yeah, I, I like the Bucks, I really do. But the Raptors, they're just so well coached. They got a great leader in Pascal Siakam and Serge Ibaka and Fred Van Vliet, who has really stepped up his game, become a starter. And I think that the Raptors are quietly being the best team in the East. So that, that's just my take on that. Um, they definitely could. I mean, it's, it's more wide open than it was before the hiatus. I'll say that. What is the possibility of the NBA doing a, st a stoppage? I don't think it's going to happen. They already, I mean, you know, ho hopefully, hopefully, you know, we, we can knock on wood and hope that, uh, you mm -hmm. know, players have good health and everything goes well. But one or two COVID tests, one or, one or two positive COVID tests are not going to shut it down. Uh, they have they have precautions in place. They have thought of every angle because they only get one chance to do this right. And so, you know, a player a player tests positive. They're they're testing every day the players around and make sure that other players aren't going to be um, infected. And they're going to remove the player. They're going to quarantine the player. It's going to be it, it's it's going to be a good process going forward. So so I can't see it being shut down, bearing uh, some crazy cra crazy disaster that happens. Let's jump to the WNBA for a moment. What's the latest on Elena Della Don's case with the WNBA? So she basically said, you know, she, she didn't get the approval from the medical doctors. The mystics are granting her permission not to go. Uh, so, so it's all worked out. She's going to get her paycheck. It's going to be good. And you know what? I think the medical doctors, I'm, I'm not a doctor, so I don't really want to speculate, but you know, they looked into it. They, they, they found that whatever her situation was uh, with, with, with Lyme disease was not, was not approved um and you know all you can do from there is it's good that the you know the, the team with the washington mystics at monumental they did a good job and they said hey you know it's it'll be all right he's chris kraus on washington sports insider joining us here on the turning points podcast where we tell both sides the story let's get a little lighthearted. 
You have all of these videos on Instagram the last couple of days. You golfing. Now, are you trying to be Bryson DeChambeau or are you actually trying to be a good golfer? What What is going on here, Chris? Well, my plan for the last month or so was to golf every day until the NBA returns. Uh, I'm not going to have this time ever again. It's kind of like an off-season with no sports. I don't, And also, quite frankly, I don't know what to do with myself you know, without sports. So um, golf kind of filled that void for a little bit. I really didn't golf before this. Um, I picked up a, a whole thing of clubs for $50 <laughs> off Craigslist. And I'm just out there. I'm watching videos. Like I have a friend that knows what he's doing. He, he's teaching me a little bit. And, you know, I'm just out there every day. So it's a... Uh, <laughs> It's it's one of those things. I'm gonna look back at the uh, pandemic. It's like what you do. It's like oh, well, you know, I, I quarantined and didn't leave my room for three months, and then I go off for another two. So, you know, hey, I think it all works out. What's been your best uh, score? Oh man, uh, I, I I just got to the point where I'm keeping the score. I'm I'm still in the one twenties. It's, it's very ugly, but how but ugly? Hey, I know, I, go, I know come on, doing. Chris, you would answer me with the bulls here. I gotta know that score. Oh man, I have to post them. I have to post them as they improve because it was it was unbearable before, and now. And now it's getting better. But but I will say this. It's almost like like I feel like a backup quarterback that can't throw the 25-yard fade, right? Mm-hmm. I know what I should do. I just can't do it right now. So maybe, maybe one day I'll get an uh, upgrade and I'll become a starter. What advice do you have for young sportscasters? You've been going through the pandemic. You've been able to broadcast. You got all these jobs. What have you been doing to just try and keep yourself you know, employed? I think it's two parts, right? One, okay. continue to work. Right. You know, no sports does not mean nothing to do. There's things around sports to write about. I mean, it's, it's rough. Don't get me wrong. Uh, it's not the most interesting stuff compared to the on court stuff, on field stuff. But I'll, I'll continue to work. And, and second thing, network. Network is 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 huge. You know, check in on, on everyone, you know, you know, continue to to try to continue to try to, you know, to, to know every, continue to try to be um on people's minds and continue to be uh, in front of the camera, in front of in front of the computer writing, and, and, and be everywhere you need to be, even if you're stuck inside. Chris, you've been fantastic as always. It's great to have you back here on the Turning Points Podcast. Let's definitely do this again during this uh, as this NBA bubble starts up July 31st. Thanks for coming on. All right. Thanks, Jake. All right. Go Bulls. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that was Chris Krause, Washington Sports Insider. I mean, look at the jobs he has. Pro Football Action, NBAHeavy.com, Slam Online. The guy does it all. And in fact, speaking about that, we're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, we're going to do our final segment. That's all coming up next here on the Turning Points Podcast. I'm Jake Rongholt, and you're listening to it right here on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. Breaking news just came in uh, from CBS Sports. Dodgers' Mookie Betts is going to sign 12 years, $365 million extension. That makes him the second highest paid player in Major League Baseball. My goodness. Well, good luck, Dodgers. You put all your eggs in one basket, and hopefully it ends up with you with the World Series. We'll find out. We're back here on the Turning Points Podcast where we tell both sides of the story. I'm Jake Rongholt, and you can uh, tweet me at at Rongholt Sports. That's R-O-N-G-H-O-L-T Sports. You can find me on Facebook.com slash both sides of the story. It's been a great show. I just want to uh, thank Chris Krause, uh, Washington Sports Insider, and Mark Eckel, 32 years in the business and contributor to the Pack-A-Day podcast. Thank them for coming on my podcast. We're going to have more guests coming up 
in the next couple of weeks. And we will keep you updated on that as we go along. I just want to say thank you to everybody that listened to last week's podcast. We had our highest viewing yet, and uh, hopefully it continues to build from there. But that's our Turning Points podcast for the week of July 24th, 2020. Now, if you got any comments or concerns or you feel like there's a subject I haven't really talked much about, just uh, tweet me at at Sports. that's R-O-N-G-H-O-L-T sports, or you can find me on facebook.com slash sides of a story. It's been a great show. I am so happy. I am just happy to know that when I drop this podcast on Friday, that we will already have two games in the books in Major League Baseball, and then we will have the official opening day on the 24th. I am just flat out excited. And then next week, we got the NBA to talk about, and then we got the NHL coming back, and then we'll continuously check and see how the NFL is going in their situation as the health and safety protocols taken care of but until then we have sports to talk about and i can't i can't wait because i have been waiting for something like this since the whole COVID 19 mess happened back in march so even in a time of social unjust and inequality and all of the problems that have been happening in the world right now just remind yourself be with your friends be with your family talk to them as much as you can and just stay strong throughout this Wear a mask. Be safe out there. This has been the Turning Points Podcast, where we tell both sides of the story. I'm Jake Rongholt, and we'll see you next time. And you've been listening to it right here on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. Have yourself a great weekend, everybody.